I'm trying to elevate small talk to medium talk. Hi, I'm Alexander Chester, and I just told you I'm going to lose a ball. And I'm Av Sinensky, and I should be in a carnival on, on Coney Islands. Welcome back to Pretty, Pretty, Pretty Good, a Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast. Today we are here to discuss Season 3, Episode 2, The Benadryl Brownie, which originally aired on September 22nd, 2002. Av, before we uh, jump backwards 18 years, we have some Curb Your Enthusiasm news to share. That's right. It was just announced uh, yesterday, I believe, that Curb Your Enthusiasm has been renewed for its 11th season. Um, I think there's no... planned start date, but that's certainly welcome news for those of us who were hoping that, you know, there'll be more Curb. You know, you, know, you never know with, with Curb. It, the, the last episode might always be the last episode. The most recent episode might, always, might end up being the last episode forever, um, but it's good, yeah. to, it's good to know that Larry still has some ideas left in the tank, and he wants to come back and deliver on an 11th season, so that was very exciting to see. Yep, that news is definitely pretty, pretty, pretty good. Uh, it's funny, though, how they say it was renewed, as if it's a decision by HBO. It's Larry told HBO, I'll make another season. <laughs> it's uh, a more accurate headline. Yeah, I mean, that seems to be how it works. Uh, he seems to have just an open yeah. offer to make as many episodes of Curb as he's interested in, and they're happy to, I guess, yeah. fund the what what is probably a pretty small budget, so that's probably why they don't care. Yeah, so that's, uh, that's wonderful news. Um, on the other hand, our friend Rob Reiner uh, may have something to talk to his therapist about because, unfortunately, he got some uh, very bad news this week. Yeah, um, unfortunately, his father and longtime comedy legend Carl Reiner passed away, so we're uh, we were very sorry to hear that. And you know, we certainly yeah. passed. Although a long, happy life, I think ninety-eight years is that right? Yeah, I'll, I'll settle for that. Um, I would probably settle for a lot yeah. less. Let's be honest um, <laughs> with some of my uh, habits. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, we, we certainly send our condolences to the Reiner family. We're, uh, you know, if Rob wants to come on, uh, we're happy to have him. Although, you know, we're, we're certainly not going to volunteer to perform at a charity auction for, for Rob Reiner because we know how that goes. Yeah. Although you should make contributions in Carl's name to the Groats Foundation. Yes. It's, uh, now more than ever, you know, if we all come together, we can finally solve Groats and help those in need. Yes. Yes. Although I don't think Groats is uh, what caused um, Carl's uh, demise. Probably not, since it's a fictitious disease. Yeah. <laughs> well, good point. All right, well, let's jump into the recap of the Benadryl Brownie. So we are with Richard and Larry. They're at the Cellular Depot, and uh, it seems like Larry wants to buy a new phone or a first phone. So uh, hopefully what we're going to see coming up is Larry David having a cell phone all the time so we can kind of remove this problem from the equation, although not quite yet based on how this cell phone seems to go in episode one with a confirmed cell phone. Um, so while, while they, while Larry is looking, they're talking about Richard's new girlfriend and Richard says, you know, he thinks he's finally found the one, um, cause you know, what he's realized is that he's not even, he doesn't care about her looks that much. He's really just attracted to her soul. That's what he is in love with. <laughs> and although yeah. it's only, now, how many of the ones has Richard had just in the, in the curb series so far? Is this his third? Yeah, probably. Uh, yeah. Richard Lewis seems like a guy who, who moves really fast. 
Um, and anyway, yeah, but, fall, but falls very and, quickly and, and very hard. Very hard, yes. Um, and although it's only been a couple of months, he thinks things are going great. Um, of course, unless things go south in much the way everything in his life has gone. Um, in the meantime, Larry keeps uh, throwing in questions. He's trying to figure out what cell phone he should buy. Uh, Richard is still continuing on with his girlfriend. He mentions that the only downside of her is that she is a Christian scientist. Larry is pretty alarmed by this and says, oh, dear. Uh, Richard says, you know, in, 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 in all our lifetime, I've never heard you say the word the words, oh, dear, before. Larry says, well, in all my lifetime, I've never encountered someone who's dating a Christian scientist before. Yeah. Um, he, now, Av, do you what do you know about Christian science? Um, I didn't know much. Um, so it sounds like they are basically, as it relates to me- medicine, Jehovah's Witnesses times a hundred. Yeah. So they're not fans of medication. I know that basically from this episode of Curb. I'm familiar with the Christian Science Monitor because it used to be like you know when I was in like uh, high school and you'd search on LexisNexis for like old news articles for like you know research papers in high school or whatever. You'd always find articles, but like the Christian Science Monitor was a thing you always found on LexisNexis, even though I never saw a copy of the of the physical paper in the wild. Right. Um, yeah. I and wa- then the only other thing I know about them is they have reading rooms, including they have one about a block and a half from my house. Oh, very cool. Um, I, yeah, I've walked past it many, many times. Never gone inside. I'm wondering if their uh, if their philosophy on medicine comes from. I know there's a verse in in the Torah that's like something to the extent of like I am God, your healer. So. Um, in Hebrew, it's Ani Hashem Rofecha. I don't remember exactly the context, but maybe that's like their philosophy that basically like we need to rely on God. God is the healer. You know, human beings shouldn't intervene to heal things. We should leave it to God, which was a uh, which is a sentiment I saw expressed in the five town Jewish times a couple weeks ago as it relates to the coronavirus. <laughs> um, yes, that's true. <laughs> I did see that. Excellent. Article. Yeah, they're basically like, I don't know why we're intervening with all these masks and medicine like we should just have faith in God to solve this for us, which. Not a great. Oh, by the way, I, so I'm looking at the Christian Science Wikipedia page now. Um, I have been to their the uh, their their main church in Boston before. I've been there before. Uh huh. Um, it's 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 you know a very uh, notable architectural site in Boston, and it's funny. It says the church is known for its newspaper, the Christian Science Monitor, which won seven Pulitzers between 1915 and 2002, and for its public reading rooms around the world. Yeah. So I guess those are the two things that I'm not the only one who knows it. For yeah, those but two the, uh, the Christian Science Monitor is a fairly you know, mainstream newspaper, right? It's not like just like a, a religious yeah. paper. No, yeah, right? I don't. I don't think it has any. I don't think it has any religious persuasion. Yeah, but again, I've never actually seen it. I've just you know when you search for. The, um, now it says here the church does not require. Uh, oh, okay. Um, Eddie described Christian Science as a return to primitive Christianity and its lost element of healing. Um, this includes a view that disease is a mental error rather than physical disorder, and that sick should be treated. The sick should be treated not by medicine, but by a form of prayer that seeks to correct the beliefs responsible for the illusion of ill health. It's, a bl- it's an illusion. Yeah, it's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see how it plays out. Yeah. The, the church does not require that Christian scientists avoid all medical care. Adherents use dentists, optometrists, obstetricians, physicians for broken bones. They also use uh, TV repairmen, cable guys we know. And they're open to vaccination, especially when required by law. But it maintains that Christian science prayer is most effective when not combined with medicine. Got it. Oh, it's, it's um, interesting they mentioned... Critics of Christian... I was just saying yeah, it's interesting ahead, they sorry. mentioned de- dentistry because the uh, the person who wrote that article in question about coronavirus is is herself a dentist, which people pointed yes. out the irony <laughs> of well, why don't we just allow God to heal people's teeth? Yeah, I, I showed I showed my wife that article and she had some rabid anti dentite comments. Yeah, so you're uh, rabid anti dentite. Your wife is a big, yeah. but we she knew really that. is. Um, she's an anti dentite. Yeah, uh, she's an anti chesterite. Yeah, oh for sure, anti podcast, anti survivor. Yeah. Uh, critics of Christian scientists, Christian science, blame the religion's avoidance of medical treatment for the deaths 
of several adherents and their children between the 1880s and 1990s. Yeah, that sounds probably reasonable. Yeah, I would expect that's what. That's what anyway, but we're, look, every religion has its own uh, mishagas, oh, so sure. we're not here to criticize the Christian scientists. Yes, we have plenty of our own. Yes. So yeah, so he explains that the Christian scientists' big thing is that they don't allow any medicine around, which is really bad because he is under the weather about 99% of the time, and she won't even help him with it. She doesn't keep any in the house, and it's a big problem. Um, so Larry yeah. uh, turns over to the back to the salesman. He's ready to, fa- to buy a phone that he chose. Turns out this is the same one that Richard Lewis has, and he says he's very happy with it. Yeah, and has the Richard Lewis uh, endorsement. Stamp of approval, yes. Yeah. So they step outside, and Richard wants Larry to watch his new comedy special before he submits it and let him know what he thinks. Uh, Larry says that's a great idea. How about this Friday night you and Deborah can come over and we could all watch it together in my house, and we'll have a dinner together, too, and it'll be a jolly old good time. Uh, Richard thinks that sounds... Sounds like fun. Yeah, sounds like fun. Um, so Larry calls Cheryl. Uh, you know, it's a good opportunity to test out the phone as well and confirms the plans with her. Um, Richard mentions to Larry that Deborah is actually allergic to peanuts, and Larry conveys this information over to Cheryl. Um and Larry also suggests that maybe it would be a good idea to have Randy, the chef from the restaurant that they're getting invested in, uh, come in. Like he could kind of cater the night so that way Cheryl doesn't have to do any work and it'll just be a nice fun time. And Larry asks, oh, can Jeff come along too? We don't really hear Cheryl's response, but obviously she was not pleased with this. And Larry explains, yeah, we're going to do something with my friends for a change. Yes. Um, which I would say, they definitely do things with Larry's friends. Like, that's the crux of what we see. But it does seem that, like, these dinner well, parties... No, that's, that's the joke. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Well, it does seem like these dinner... But, but, they ha- but yes, but they have they, they have had a dinner party with Cheryl's Yeah, friends. the dinner parties, I think, are more... Sh- which makes sense, because, like, Larry's not going to be necessarily going to usually be the one to say, let's have a dinner party. Uh, he more just, well, you know, let's go out or go, to, you know, go do something. But, yeah. Anyway, so we're at the dinner party. And we see, like, a nice little montage of everyone having a nice time, talking, being on good terms, everyone having fun. Um, Cheryl mentions that she heard that Deborah and Richard are going to the Emmys, and Deborah's very excited. She had a dress made. Cheryl says, actually, yeah, and we're very excited, too, because I have some people coming over on Sunday night, and we're going to watch the East Coast feed of the Emmys together, uh, including, you know, the red carpet and the pre-show and see all the dresses and what everyone's wearing, and maybe we'll even see you on the red carpet. That would be really cool. I mean, I imagine Larry would have a lot of friends who will be there. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, Ted Danson, there's a good chance he would be there. Um, Julia, Jason, yeah. that whole crew, you know, they, there's a good chance they would show up. But, you know, a lot of people in the business that Larry knows will probably be at the Emmys. So, yeah, they're sitting and eating, and Jeff says, hey, you know what I could use? Some ketchup. So this is interesting. You, you, you've, uh, you've been all over ketchup recently, right? You talked about this. Uh... So, look, this is one of my favorite scenes because, yes, I'm 100% on the, I guess, the everyone but chef side, here, Jeff side here. My wife and in-laws put ketchup on everything, and they reject my assertion that doing so is insulting to the chef. And so I have shared this very clip with them before. Yeah. So like, it, it, is, it is deeply insulting. And I tell them, I say, you know, I have no ego because I don't consider myself like a chef. But, you know, you can't, you can't do this to, like, a fancy chef. It's really rude. You can't do this at a restaurant. Yeah, so I know, I know you're very anti-ketchup in general, which I am. I'm fairly pro-ketchup. But putting a ketchup no, on I mean, a steak. I like the taste of ketchup. You just you don't put ketchup on, like, a steak or, like, you know, you put ketchup on french fries or something. Yeah, you know who puts ketchup on a steak? Oh, Donald Trump, Donald, of course. Donald Trump does. That. Mike, Mike Bloomberg had that in yes. one of his ads when he was like doing all those, like, that, yeah. that two weeks. One, one of his main ads was Donald Trump puts ketchup yeah, on but, steak. But my father-in-law, who, who supports Trump, probably wouldn't even understand why that's a bad thing. So that's, it backfires. A steak is supposed to be burned and supposed to be smothered in ketchup. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah. Um, so LD rightly, uh, he points out that it's insulting to ask a chef to put ketchup on something like a steak because you're basically implying that it doesn't yeah. taste good. Um, yeah. In fact, I would say my threshold evaluation of French fries is can you enjoy them without ketchup? I often eat them with ketchup, oh. but they need to be like tasty enough and seasoned well enough that if there's no ketchup, you would still find them enjoyable. Other, other than those like gross cafeteria fries that like you need to drench them in ketchup. Otherwise, they just taste like, you know, unsalted plain potatoes. Yeah. By the way, a, a similar corollary to this, although much, you know, um, less uh, common is uh, did, did you, do you watch Billions of? Uh, yes, but I haven't seen the most recent season. Okay, so do you remember, I think it's season two, when Wags is at some super fancy sushi place? Yes. And there's some, like, douchebag yeah. Wall Street bros who are, like, sauce drowning sauce. their sushi? Yeah. And he, yeah. Like, he, like, punches And, and Wags right? comes up to them and says, like, you know, chef so-and-so, it is perfectly, like, th- that's a similar thing. Like, if you're getting good sushi, don't pour a bunch of soy sauce and wasabi on it. Like, the guy has prepared it so that it's perfectly, you, it's been prepared so you should eat it how it is. Yeah. Counterpoints? You need to put a splash of salt on something, that's one. Yeah. Counterpoints? But. Let people eat whatever the hell they want. Yeah, well, okay, that's for sure. Yeah, but yeah, that's, that's fair. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm the same one who was complaining. I was complaining about uh, producers of content on on Netflix who were like upset that Netflix like prevented Netflix from allowing people to watch it faster than one x speed. Right. So yeah, that's true. Let yeah. the consumer do it. Yeah, I'm in like a uh, a barbecue group where people talk about like sous vide and making barbecue meats, and like people get very upset yeah. if you but like. You're in multiple because we're we're in another group like that also. No, th- this is on Facebook. It's like a oh, it's okay. like a sous vide group, um, like where people ask okay, like for like recipes and how yeah. long and temperature and all that stuff. And if anyone like suggests that like oh and like what if I put a little barbecue sauce on it, like people jump down their throats like as if it's like a crime <laughs> against you know meat eating to put even a, a drop of barbecue yeah. sauce on it. And I'm always just like you you know you could enjoy it how you want, and if don't make this person not enjoy his food just because you're pretentious. Like it's fine. Yeah, I, but I mean, the point of, the point of these groups is is to uh, share one's pretension with uh, a fellow. Pretension, yeah, but like, just let people eat what let people eat what they like. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Stop burning the fun. Yeah. It's like it's, <laughs> he's the one eating it, not you. Like, what do you care? Yeah. Uh, uh, by the way, Deborah's hair in this scene it, it reminds me of a style that Phoebe Buffay wore for a time on Friends. Oh, interesting. We'll get to Phoebe Phoebe Buffay a little bit later, I think. In this episode? Oh, really? Oh, okay. we'll, we'll mention her. Yeah. There's a couple friends. Uh, over, over, you know, uh, carryovers in terms of storylines here. Oh, I, I was at I was at a uh, social distance birthday party for my next door neighbor uh, on Monday night, and we were playing. Jet, her name is Jen, uh, and we were playing Jen trivia. And the first question was, "What is Jen's favorite TV show?" And like the Survivor. couples were each answering. Well, no, so Je- so Jen, my wife and I, oh, I thought, had no I- idea, and so we just wrote friends. And it turns out that every single other person there is better friends with my next-door neighbor than we are because everyone else got friends, which was correct, and said, oh, this is such an easy one. And, yeah, yeah, so you're right, Survivor. She actually then, because I think I mentioned this in a chat, and then Jen actually said, Friends is the answer, but I also would have accepted Survivor, is what she said. So, But she's casual. But, yeah, so Friends is – and this girl's pretty young. She just turned 30, which means that she was – by the time Friends went off the air – she would have been only like what, like fourteen or something like that, or thirteen. I don't know. Is she as casual? Uh, it went off, I think, like two thousand two. If I had to guess, two thousand four. Two thousand four. No, I was at Penn. It was two thousand four. So, and if she's turning thirty, yeah, so she would have been fourteen when Friends went off the air. So, yeah. Um, oh, so maybe she's one of but, these uh, yeah, one of those so people that started binging Friends on Netflix. On Netflix, yeah, and thinks it's a contemporary show, yeah, <laughs> and thinks that it's a show where like the plot is the most important thing. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, her husband though too, and I, I've obviously, I'm, I'm a fan of Friends, and I've seen every episode. But you know, I like making fun of Friends, so I appreciated when her husband, when the next question in the trivia, he made the trivia questions. The next question was, "What is Jen's favorite comedy show?" Mm. Implying, of course, that Friends is not a comedy. Oh, so. hot take! 
Yeah. Anyway, um, so the chef brings out the ketchup. He asks everyone if the food is good. Everyone says yes, but he seems a little bit insecure uh, about the whole ketchup thing. Larry, in my memory, unless this happens in the next episode, in my memory, he like quits because of this or threw a big hissy fit. Yeah, we don't quite see that, but maybe maybe it comes back later. Maybe that's the next episode. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, you know, I hope so because otherwise, this inclusion of this storyline in the episode really makes no sense. No, I think that must be what it was because the whole theme of the season is that Larry and Jeff keep causing problems with the restaurant. Yes, and they yes. go through, you know, chef after different, chef, different iterations. So I think, I think that's the cause, yeah. yeah, that makes sense because I, I actually circled this in my notes. I was like, this doesn't come back. Why do they put this in this whole catch up thing? Yeah, so I th- so in my memory it did, and I must just be merging episodes in my in my memory. Okay, no, uh, that makes sense. Okay, so Larry uh, Larry chastises Jeff. He's like, look what you did, um, you're asking for the catch up. I'm never going to have you over again. Um, anyway, so they uh, they head over to the couch to sit down to watch the special. Richard is uh, really preemptively trying to lower expectations, basically saying, you know, this is really just one show. It might not be that good. But everyone says, you know, no, let's just watch it. Uh, Deborah praises the brownies. It turns out Susie made them and Jeff brought them over because he saw them at the house when he was dropping off Sammy. <laughs> um so Larry is trying to get everything started, but all he's getting static is static, much like the opening of the show. You kind of get that, like that HBO static sound. Um, he's trying all the different remotes. He has so many. He can't figure out which one controls what, and nothing is working. Cheryl complains, you know, this TV, it never works. We have this guy named Mike. He comes over basically every week, it seems like, to try to fix it to no avail. And you just, I'm just letting you know, Larry, I'm going to be super upset if next Sunday I'm not able to watch the Emmys with my friends because you can't get a functioning TV in our house. Yeah, um, it's, which is fair. Yeah, it's fair. It's actually like I was I was amazed at how like how patient they are that like, oh, like you have till Sunday to figure this out. Like if there, if my TV went down for like eight minutes, my house would go berserk. <laughs> yeah. But, but counterpoint, no one actually has, like, TV in that sense anymore. Yeah. Right? But, yeah. So I, if, you, if my Wi-Fi – when my Wi-Fi goes down, it's the worst thing that could ever happen. Yeah. Me. I've had to, like, get up, get up at, like, 6 in the morning and go downstairs to work on the Wi-Fi because, like, my kids are already up and they want to watch their iPads and they're going crazy. And the only way yeah. I'm getting back into bed is if I could get that Wi-Fi going. So uh, yeah. I've been where Larry is. Um. Anyway, so Cheryl's like, you know what? We really need to fire that guy, Mike, because he's obviously incompetent. Larry doesn't want to because he's black. Um, everyone else thinks that's ridiculous. What are you talking about? If he sucks, he sucks. Um, you know, everyone else uh, very much believes in a, a meritocracy society. Larry obviously understands the injustices of systemic racism. Yes. But by the way, the very idea of, of having a guy to set up your TV seems very dated to me. Um, like, I guess. You, know, maybe, maybe you have a guy who, like, comes once when you first buy it, maybe. Yeah. But why would you need a guy so consistently that you have a guy whose name you know who you have to take out to lunch in order to fire? <laughs> well, we'll get to that. And it's not only Larry, because Je- Jeff says that he has a guy also. Yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, I would say in Larry's case, the reason he has a guy keep coming is because it continues to not work. So, which is- Yes, yes. But but it's, but it's apparently it's not unique. It's just like, oh, no, I have a good guy. You can use my guy. Yeah, so I wonder and if... Of course, Larry will get to... Uh, when Larry gets to Deborah's parents' house, they have a guy as well. Yeah, everyone has a guy. You have a TV guy. <laughs> He's always, yeah. He comes to your house once a week just to check in, make sure the TVs are working properly. So Larry suggests, well, I guess if we aren't able to watch the special now, who's up for some Scrabble? Uh, Richard is very angry about this, that he, he feels like Larry's just, like, making light of the situation. Larry's like, what are we supposed to do? Sit Shiva over the special? Like, what do you want from me? Um, Richard suggests, how about we go over to my house and we could just watch the special there? Um, which makes perfect sense. But Deborah says, 
she really doesn't feel well, and she really just wants to go home. Uh, she, her, she feels like her night is kind of over, and she wonders maybe there were some peanuts in the brownies, and maybe that's why I don't feel well, because of my peanut allergy. Larry confirms, no, no, that's impossible. You know, Cheryl... Well, well, well Jeff confirms. And he's like, there wouldn't be. And I'm like, well, how would Jeff know? He didn't see Susie cook them. He's very confident. Yeah, no I guess. Well, no so, yeah, I mean, I guess you would you would know if there were peanuts themselves. But, like, you wouldn't know if there's, like, peanut oil or something like that. But I guess it's unlikely. Yeah. People didn't really cook with peanut oil back then as much or, you know, different yeah, oils. Yeah, maybe, Je- maybe Sammy's also allergic, perhaps. Yeah. Although I guess he would have heard Yeah, there that. was, like, three oils at, at this time in life. There was vegetable oil, there was canola oil, and there was olive oil. And all these other, you know, new oils had not yet been invented yet, as far as I know. Yes. Or at least they weren't in common usage. Um, Larry, so Larry's like, uh, says to Cheryl, well, you told Chef Randy about the peanut allergy thing, but Cheryl has no idea what he's talking about. Like as if this is the first time she is hearing that there was someone that was going to be at dinner that had a peanut allergy. They deduce that it must be that because since Richard heard Larry tell this, so, you know, you can't just put this on Larry. Um, it must be that the cell phone broke out at the time that he told her that and, she didn't hear, and then, of course, never told the chef, and, of course, now Deborah is suffering from her peanut allergy. Yeah, uh, now, this is a very frustrating scene. First of all, Cheryl throws Larry under the bus, which is par for the course. But then Richard turns on Larry and says to Larry, you fucked it all up. But, like, Richard was right there, as you just said. He saw Larry say it to Cheryl. He confirmed it, and then he blames Larry for not knowing how to use a cell phone, which he says even a praying mantis could do. <laughs> but the fault for the cell phone would be Richard also, because Richard endorsed that cell phone. Yeah, I mean, and also, like, really, at the end of the day, even if, like, Larry and Cheryl... Yeah, it's Deborah's fault. Like, if you have an allergy, you need to confirm when you get there, hey, by the way, just want to make sure, like, there's no peanut stuff. Like, you don't just, like... No, 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 Av, no. You can rely on your boyfriend (laughs) having told his friend to tell his wife to tell the chef. (laughs) Yeah, of course, exactly. It's insanity. Like, I mean... (laughs) To quote Deborah's mom later in this episode, we're all responsible for our own lives. Yeah, I mean, we... Like, when we have people over that have have any sort of allergy, (laughs) like... (laughs) Yeah, we are, yeah. But that's basically what Deborah says, yeah. I mean, when we have someone over who has any sort of allergy, like, that person will be, like, going through every dish and just making sure, okay, this doesn't have, this one's okay. Like, it's ultimately, it's on them. Like, you know, the the host can do the best they can, but, you know, the person with the allergy knows what they can have and what they can't have, and they have to be careful, you know. Um, Yeah, we are... uh, It's, It's very odd that Deborah never mentioned it. I mean, I assume she must have said to Richard on the way over... So there's no peanuts, right? And Richard would have said, yeah, yeah, don't worry. I told Larry, and Larry told his wife, and I heard it, or something. But yeah, like, but you still confirm what you to rely on that. Yeah, yeah although, that's not a reasonable... Uh, although, from what we see, I guess, like, she doesn't have, like, such a severe allergy that she's going to die. If it's easily solved by Benadryl, yeah. Well, yeah, that's the other part. Right, I mean, yeah, if you have a peanut allergy, yeah. I, use Benadryl, use medicine. Like, this is ridiculous. Now you're, you're going to yeah. blow up everything. I mean, it, it, it's, only a serious, it's only a serious allergy because of her refusal to use medicine. Right, so that's true also. It's yeah. all in her mind. Yeah, maybe maybe um, the Christian scientists believe that you're not allowed to confirm an allergy when you get there. You have to just leave it up to God to determine which allergies you get and which ones yeah. you don't. Anyway. <laughs> um, Richard says, well, Deborah, why don't you just, like, you'll come over to my house and, you know, you can take a nap or relax while we watch. And she's just like, she just wants to go home. She's not having it. Um, which I get. Like, if you just feel that bad, like, you don't want to, you, you want to be in your own home, yeah. in your own bed and, and not be with a bunch of yeah. idiots watching a, a, what's probably a bad comedy special. <laughs> um, so they leave, and uh, Larry turns to the remaining people, Jeff and Cheryl, and says, hey, how about some Scrabble now? You know, I said it before, but now I'm actually in the mood. Yeah. Uh, Jeff is game. Well, uh, he turns to Jeff, and then he turns to Cheryl and says, you don't need to play. It's better with <laughs> It's better with two people. We don't, we don't need you. 
Which is great. Great, Yeah, great line. <laughs> um, okay, so it's the next day. We're at a coffee shop, and Larry is having an in-person lunch meeting with his TV repairman, Mike, to fire him because yes. of the TV remote situation. Now, here, As one does. Yeah, here are two things that Larry could have done instead of meeting in person. Uh, one, he could have called him. Two is he could just never have contacted him again, and... You know, that's generally what I, you know, you don't, I don't call my like old AC repair guy who I don't like to let him know he's fired and I'm hiring. No, you got to check in once a month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You just like, you just move on to a new person and whatever. That's life. Um, so he tells, uh, he tells Mike, you know, I'm sorry. I really have no choice but to uh, let you go because of the whole situation with the, with the TV and the remotes. It's just getting out of hand. Mike immediately says, no, it's because I'm black. Larry yeah. says, that's ridiculous. If I was a racist, I would never would have hired a black person to begin with. Mike points out, well, you hired me over the phone, so you wouldn't have known that I was black. Larry says, okay, fair enough, but I kept you retained in my service this whole time once I knew you were black, so obviously no racism. And as a matter of fact, just so you know, I've fired tons of white people too. Yeah, yes. Um, Mike is, re- is still not happy. Um, so Larry then turns to blame it on Cheryl. He's like, you know, really, the problem is my wife. And this is when Mike really now is upset. He's even more insulted. He says, you know, it's one thing to be a racist, but at least be a man about it and own it. And he's upset that you're, you know, why are you blaming it on your wife? Larry says, well, you're blaming it on race. That's even worse. One thing to blame it on my wife, you're blaming it on your race. Um, well, Mike, you know, Mike is just done. He's had it. He's getting out of there. He, uh, he insists on leaving the tip. He puts it on. He storms off. Um, Larry then kind of looks back at the table and I guess sees that Mike left a very meager tip. And much like uh, Ross in Friends with uh, Rachel's father, he goes back and adds to the tip. Ah, Friends reference. Yes. Got it. Um, Wanda sees this from across the coffee shop, which, of course, she happens to be at at the time, and kind of gives Larry a little uh, half hand wave, half scowl. Yeah, now this is – it really doesn't make sense that from the opposite side of the restaurant she could have seen – like she saw Larry putting money on the table, but she how would she have known that this was an augmentation of a previous tip by the other person he was sitting with? Right. Rather than it could just as like, easily have she been had to, Mike left a few bucks and Larry said, tip. I'll put in half yeah. of the tip. And I, he went. Or, oh, yeah. Or she he, has no idea what's yeah, happening. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of us. Yeah. The, it's it's uh, a little hard. She would have really had been studying that table from across the room very carefully to really know what was going on. Yeah. Um, okay. So we go. We head over to Deborah's house and a woman who we will learn is Deborah's mother. Uh, I don't think she's ever named. She opens the door. She asks Larry, oh, are you here for the prayer group? Larry kind of laughs that off as ridiculous. He says, no, I'm here to see Deborah. Um, the mom says, well, you know, she's sick. Larry says, oh, yes, I know all about that. You know, actually, I'm Larry David. I'm the one whose house she had the peanuts at. Deborah says, oh, I know all about you. <laughs> Larry tries to apologize. And Deborah's mom, as you said before, says basically no need to apologize. We're all responsible for our own lives. Now, yes. is this There's some a, truth to that? Yeah, but so is she just saying because of the peanuts, or is this more of like a like she shouldn't really be involved with this Richard Lewis guy and who's you know not of the faith or you know doesn't really isn't really in our circles, or is it really just you know the, so the peanuts? So you reap what you sow. You're saying, yeah, like she's blaming her daughter for her poor decisions in life. Yeah, like you shouldn't be involved with these these you know pe- gallivanting around with these people who are no good and and non believers and you can say it off these Jews. <laughs> yeah, these stupid Jews. Uh, they killed our God. With their pro Benadryl policies. <laughs> they uh, they turned him over. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't know. I'm not reading that much into it. I think she's. I think she's just sort of a uh, a very deeply thoughtful and reflective person. Yeah, that's probably it. Okay. 
So uh, she invites him over in. She's, uh, once again, she says, maybe you want to join us for the prayer group. He passes. Um, and he notices that there's another black man working on the TV in this house as well. He go- yeah. Best case scenario, you replace the black guy with another black guy, and you prove that you fired the first one not because of race, but because of incompetence. Yeah. Um, oh, so it's a win-win. So question Then here. you have to take a picture of the second black guy, send it to the first black guy, <laughs> and Wanda. So my question here is, whose house is this? This is Deborah's parents' house. Deborah's she says that because house. when Larry later asks, "Is that guy any good?" and Deborah says, "How right, should right, I know? Right. This is my parents' so, house." So, but this is where Deborah lives. So, I mean, Deborah's a little bit of a nebuch altogether. Yeah, like whether she lives with her parents permanently or whether, in times of you know of of ill health, she has to go to her parents. I would assume it's the latter, right? If you're sick, you need to be cared for. It, so you can't, you know, if she lives in some apartment by herself. Because she, when when Richard offers to take her to his house, she says, "No, I just want to go home." Which suggests that yeah, this is I don't where think she that lives. Richard brought her to this location. I think Richard took her home. And now, well, she... actually, but I think so. It's interesting. My my impl- implicate my assumption of going home in that context was going to Richard's house and that they were living together. It had only been two months, but you know they were soulmates already. So, yeah, okay. I don't know what the Christian Science Religion says on cohabitation. Yeah, they're probably not pro officially, but who knows? But unofficially, yeah. Are you allowed to use <laughs> Are you allowed to use birth control? I assume not. Yeah, um, I, I don't know what the you know Richard. Uh, I don't know how potent he is at this point. Although he, you know he's uh, I, I don't, we, we, he's been a little bit promiscuous in his day. So I right. don't know. You yeah, know, I mean, I assume uh, if you can't use medicine, you can't use birth control, which is even for people who allow medicine is a controversial medicine. It, yeah, we need some Christian science people. experts here. Yeah, if you're a Christian scientist, call in and tell us all the goods about uh, about whether or not Deborah. And how offensive uh, yeah, we were. Yes. Yeah. If 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 you're if you're offended by us, then don't call in. Um, okay. So Larry heads into uh, the Deborah's bedroom to go visit Deborah and Richard. And she- ah, update. Uh, most Christian scientists will not use birth control pills because they are drugs, although this may not be their sole reason. Discretion is left to those involved. No official position. No official position. Okay. Ah, interesting. But Benadryl, no discretion allowed. Yeah, I guess so. Honestly, pop it. Who will know? Um, so she's like basically protesting. No, of course, I'm going to be fine to go to the Emmys. Richard says, you can't. Your lips are blown up like a balloon. Your eyes are bulging. Larry apologizes again. But really, he says it's it's really the fault of the cell phone that Richard recommended. So really, it's Richard's fault. Deborah really wants to go. Larry says, just take a Benadryl. You'll be fine in five minutes. She reminds him, Larry, I don't take medication. But Larry says, just pop it in. Who will know? No one will know. And she she's very upset by this because that would be a betrayal of her faith. Uh, Larry says, if that's so, why do you have someone here fixing the TV? Why not pray for the TV to get repaired? And by the way, is that guy any good? Because I want to know if maybe I can bring him to my house. How many remotes do you guys have here? Uh, Deborah says she has no idea. This is her parents' house. She doesn't really know the situation, how the TVs work, how the remotes work, who, you know, whether the guy's any good. So you know, you know, we, don't, we don't really get any, uh, any progress there. Um, so Larry heads out. And once again, uh, Deborah's mom invites Larry to join in on the prayer circle. Again, he's, he doesn't want to. He says, you, you know, and anyway, you don't want me involved. I have bad karma. And for all we know, Deborah will end up getting tuberculosis if I join. Yeah, very much like Joan on the Whale. Very much like Joan on the Whale. 
Um, eventually, he, he relents. Um, he tries to reorder the standing positions of the prayer circle. Is that because he wanted to like stand? He wanted to hold hands with that woman. Like I didn't really understand what he was doing there. No, he he doesn't, he doesn't want to hold hands with men. Basically. Oh, uh, okay. He'd rather hold hands with women than men. Oh, okay, that's what. It was. So he wants alternate boy girl boy girl. He says. Got it. So yeah, uh, he's very uncomfortable. He's basically just like holding. He's like has his pinky in with the two people on his side. Like they could just hold his pinky. He doesn't really want to go in uh, any deeper than that. Um, all of a sudden, his phone rings, and uh, wouldn't you know it, his tune uh, on his ringtone is Hava Nagila, the uh, well-known Jewish song. Um, we have a friend, a uh, mutual friend, Harold, who once, when he was in Israel, he was either in Mea Sharim or Geula or some very, very religious neighborhood, and he was at a, uh, a minion where you know people were praying, and one of a very religious man's phone rang, and the tune was Jingle Bells, which which uh, Harold surmised this man must be so you know in the bubble that he didn't even realize what that song was. He just thought it was like a fun tune because generally very religious Jewish men wouldn't put Jingle Bells as their ringtone. Well, so I actually have a similar story. My uh, my brother was in the city of Tzfat once, which is a, a town in northern Israel, which is very um, spiritual and uh, religious, I guess you'd say. And my brother plays the saxophone, so he saw a doll. You ever see those dolls? Like there's a James Brown version, and there's like a a, a bass, like a, a sea bass version. It's sort of like it's it's like a it's like a you know two foot tall doll, and you push a button, then it sort of dances and sings. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I've seen stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So it was. It was a rosy-cheeked, um, white-bearded gentleman in a long black suit and hat, sort of dressed in a traditional ultra-orthodox rabbinical garb, and playing a saxophone. And when you and, and it comes in a box, and the box explains that this is a, a a famous Hasidic rabbi singing a famous Hasidic tune. And as you push the button, the tune that the Hasidic rabbi starts to play is da na 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 da na 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 da na 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 da na na na. Not 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 nah not nah, and so my brother purchased this because he thought it was very funny, and then of course he scratched on the black uh, coat that this um, that this rabbi was wearing, and as he scratched the black coat, underneath there was red. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was a very uh, humorous toy that he found. So yeah, I, I would assume that there was that this uh, rabbi that Harold came across just had no idea what 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 the tune was. Yeah, maybe it was the same guy. But the. the <laughs> <laughs> the same guy who's selling them, or the actual person who was if it personified? If it that. was Curb, it would be the same guy. Well, but look, the thing is, whoever was selling those, manufacturing those, and you know, obviously knew what he was doing. He was buying Santa things, so yeah, so somebody was committing fraud here. But but half the, the guy selling it in the store probably had no idea. Yeah, probably. Yeah, no, I mean, they're, the they're they're good tunes. Everyone should enjoy them. Yeah, I mean, all these tunes are based off each other. You know, all these Eastern European Ashkenazi Jewish tunes were, you know, like Polish military marching band tunes or whatever. You know, everybody copies them. Yeah, and so. uh, Jews wrote some of the best Christmas songs, so we should be celebrating them. Also true. Well, you know the thing with Deck the Halls and Mao Tzu? No. So so Deck the Halls, a, cr- a famous Christmas song, and Mao Tzu, sort of the uh, the most famous Hanukkah song, or in the, uh, in the Hanukkah uh, litur- uh, litur- liturgy anyway, are the exact same, like, they're, they are the... They're the same. They're both the same pieces of music. They're like the accompanying parts, just like on different scales. Well, no, no. So it, when I was first told this, it was at a group party, and we tried this out. It actually works beautifully. Next time you are in a group of uh, large people, which probably won't happen for a long time, um, half of you sing "Deck the Halls" and half of you sing "Mao's Sword." Why can't we just do? And it you'll with, see. Can we do it with two people right now? Well, I mean, we can try. I'm not sure if it's going to work so well. All right, you want to try? Yeah, you do "Deck the Halls." I'll do "Mao's Sword." Okay. One, One two. <laughs> on, on three. All right, you say one, two, three. One, two, three. 
Jack the halls yeah, with shoes. I don't yeah, know the cool. words. All right, that was no good. Jack the halls with tra la la la. I don't think I don't think they're the same at all. They, they, no, it's it's not. It is these. I don't mean they are the two parts of a harmonizing song. I don't mean it's literally the same two. Uh, like, like, so meaning like they they comp and and, and uh, they are meant to be sung together. Interesting. Okay, so they complement each other. Yeah. Yeah, I don't mean I don't mean it's like you know the like same tune. ABC like the birth. Yeah, it's not literally the same tune. It is the two harmonizing yeah. versions of of a greater piece. ABC of music. Yeah. and Twinkle Twinkle. Yeah, yeah, and um and uh, Mary had a little lamp. No, not Mary. Um, and uh, what's it called? Um, the other one. Mary had um, a little Baba lamb. Black and, sheep uh, the third one. Is it Mary? Oh, oh, I thought it was Mary Baba had a little lamb. And uh, London Bridge is falling down are very similar. No, Baba Black Sheep, uh, the Alphabet Song, and and Twinkle Twinkle are all the same. Those three. Is there a fourth as well? Probably. Yeah, they're probably. We learned that every song comes from the same four chords, basically, right? So yeah, we we know that from the, those famous videos. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So, um, anyway, back to curb. yeah, back to curb. So, uh, yeah, so his phone rang. We heard Havanagila. He picks it up in the middle of the prayer circle. Everyone is very upset about this, and he someone is basically offering him tickets to some sort of game. And Larry says, "Great, who are they playing?" Um, obviously, oh, I thought it was to play golf. Oh. I misheard. Oh, interesting. The point is, it's not a call he should be taking yeah. and answering in the middle. Of I thought he asked, <laughs> "Who are they playing?" So that to me, that is. Oh, I important. thought he said, "Where are we playing?" Okay, so but, uh, yeah, either way. Either way. Um, la- uh, so they're outside. Richard is furious with Larry. He says, "This is a fucking nightmare." You know why this is a nightmare? You, my friends. Yes, yes, you. Because of this fucking highfalutin. You gotta go join a restaurant, have an interest, have them come over and cook peanut sauce. <laughs> uh, Larry blames the cell phone that Richard recommended. Richard says, nobody else has a problem with the phone. You're the problem. Um, and now he yeah. has a girlfriend who he says looks like a Venetian. Did you know? I, I didn't understand this at all. Uh, what was the line again? He says she looks like a Venetian. The only thing I could think of that like he meant like a Venusian, like someone from Venus. Maybe he meant somebody from Venice. I don't well, know. someone from Venice, why, why would that? That seems fine. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he's an anti-Italianite also. Yeah, that's a, yeah. That that just didn't. I didn't really understand what he was going for there, unless I was, I, he meant like someone from Venus, and that's I, I don't know. Uh, it's a weird. It's a uh, weird. Let, uh, let, let, let's go to the script. Actually, let's go to the script. Yeah, I think it says Venetian. I think I looked. Yeah. Oh, okay. She says, if it wasn't for the peanuts, she wouldn't look like a goddamn fucking Venetian. She looks like she has a macaroni salad. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that means either. Yeah, I don't get. Uh, I don't. I don't understand. Yeah, any I'm not sure what. It- yeah, I don't understand any of the imagery that Richard is using here to describe his girlfriend's appearance, but... Yeah, we never get to see her, but the implication is it's not great. Yeah. Her eyes are so swollen she can barely see out of them. Yeah. Uh, and Joan Rivers will have some harsh things to say about her at the end of the episode. <laughs> yeah, maybe uh, maybe the postman will uh, bring some uh, ideas. Maybe somebody raised this. I have no idea, but probably not. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay, so... Richard says, "I'm gonna be that. You know, I'm, he's gonna be really embarrassed to go to the Emmys with her looking like that." Rally reminds him, "What do you mean? You don't care about looks anymore. Her soul is still great." Larry says, uh, "Richard's like, yeah, that's true, but like, you know, to a certain point, which is which is fair. You know, you could say like, oh, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm over looks. I'm not gonna choose someone for looks anymore. But like, you don't want them to look like, you know, terrible. To look like a Venetian. Yeah, you don't want them to look like a Venetian." Um, yeah. You know, if, if they're from Milan, <laughs> that's okay. Talent. Yeah, a, Ro- a Roman is fine. Yeah. A, a Florentine, excellent. Not a Venetian. Yeah. 
Um, a linguine salad would be fine. Macaroni, no good. Yeah, so uh, they both don't understand why she can't just take a goddamn Benadryl. Larry says, you know, she's very hideous, and she should look in a mirror. Richard, <laughs> Richard says, you know, well, she's in denial. So Larry comes up with a brilliant idea of figuring out a way that we can give her a Benadryl without her knowing. Maybe we the could, same way you do to a dog. Yeah, maybe we could put Basically. one in a brownie. Richard says this is great because when she gets better, she's just going to think it was because of the prayer, and she'll have no idea that it was because of the Benadryl that we slipped to her. Yeah, it really is a brilliant scheme. Yeah, so Larry's plan is he's going to go get the recipe from Susie, ask Cheryl to pick, bake them and put in the brownies, and then they will bring them over to Deborah. Um, to which I wrote, yes, involve more people in this plan. That's what will make yeah, the plan it's, it's successful. It's very sort of sexist that Larry and, Richard, Larry and Richard feel the need to involve Cheryl. Like, it's impossible for men to bake brownies, so they have to find a woman. Like, who are they, Akiva? And by the way, Larry then says to Cheryl later on, can you bake anything? Right. Yeah. So then why is he asking her in the first place? Yeah. And, and what you definitely <laughs> don't need is Susie's brownie recipe. <laughs> yeah. It's not like she will only eat Susie's brownies. Like, you could get, you could make any baked good and just say, here. I also had a memory, and I must be mixing this up with a different show, that they're trying to get Susie's recipe. She won't give it because it's her grandmother's old recipe. And then we end up finding it's from the side of the box of Toll House. Yes, or that's like Fe- that. that's Phoebe. As when I said before that. that oh, well, okay, fine. So that, right, that's okay. Phoebe. She, uh, yes, she uh, she refers <laughs> yeah, to it okay. as Nestle Tula House. Okay, all right. Okay, fine. So uh, it, okay, so I was correct. Uh, I did have that in my memory. Maybe it was also yeah. in Friends where the the uh, chef quits because of the ketchup. Or maybe Does that happen in Friends? No, no, I don't know. I'm just saying. Uh, oh, since you're okay. confusing. No, it's, it's probably from this. Because yeah. as I said before, it really doesn't make sense for the whole catch-up thing to yeah. be in here. Yeah. Um, okay, so Larry heads over to uh, Susie's house. And Susie opens the door. And, of course, she's immediately, what the hell are you doing here, Larry? She knows he's probably up to something no good. <laughs> um, he notes that... Well, last time she saw him, he was sticking dolls down his pants. Yeah, exactly. So, like, yeah, yeah. She, she knows Larry's not here to, like, just to see her. But at this point in Curb, unlike later seasons where, you know, she's back with Jeff, but she hates Larry, she really only hates Larry at this point because of his association with Jeff. Yes. Yeah, yeah. She hates him because she, she sees he, she sees Larry as Jeff's come with guy. Yeah. He's, uh, right. She had actually defended Larry to Jeff's parents earlier. Yeah. Well, I mean, and to be fair, a lot of the time that Jeff gets in trouble, it's because of his involvement in schemes with Larry. Yeah. But is it Larry, but is it Larry's schemes or Jeff's schemes? Because from Susie's perspective... So Susie seems to think as Jeff is the bad guy and Larry is just like the assistant. Yeah, I, it's usually but we be, see it uh, the other yeah, way. Yeah, it's usually because of something in Larry's life that Jeff is trying to help. Yeah, but that that is Jeff's job. <laughs> no, that's his job for sure. Um, yeah. yeah. So Larry, uh, he notes that there's a, a large dog there who's named Oscar. Um, and yes, Susie, we'll learn more about Oscar. Susie explains that she needs uh, Oscar for protection. Oscar, since... by the way, would be very happy to hear that Larry had fired his African American cable guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, she says uh, she needs protection since Jeff isn't around anymore. Because yeah, I'm sure Jeff was uh, would really be very helpful in you know if, if if a burglar broke in the middle of the night, Jeff is gonna. I mean, they've had a burger, the burglar break in before, and it's because Jeff invited him into the house. So. <laughs> right. Um, and the, the previous time there was a burglar from the house, it was Jeff and Larry stealing the doll. So Yes. Yes. And the previous time before that, it was Larry stealing Jeff's porn collection. <laughs> right. So uh, Larry says... There's a lot of break-ins, but most, yeah, Larry, most of them are caused by Jeff. <laughs> Larry, Larry tries to explain, listen, I tried to call ahead, but my cell phone doesn't work. Susie says, you know, I had that exact same phone, and it's a piece of crap. 
So now uh, Larry is a little bit warming up to her side a little bit. Uh, Larry explains, the reason I'm here is because of the brownies that Jeff brought over the other day that she made. Immediately, Susie cuts him off and says, oh, so that's what happened to those brownies. They were for Sammy for school, and Jeff stole them. This is typical Jeff not caring about his children. He steals food out of his children's mouth. <laughs> Larry says, no, you're looking at this all wrong. You should view this as a testament to how good the brownies are. And that's why I'm here, actually, for the recipe for your amazing brownies. Susie says, she's very appreciative, but unfortunately, I can't share it with you because it's a secret family recipe. Larry insists, well, I'm a good secret keeper. You could tell me I won't tell anyone. Susie says, that's great to know for future reference going forward that I can trust you. But in this instance, I'm not going to tell you because this is an actual secret that I can't share with anybody. Larry says, you know, how about uh, we can barter? I'll tell you a secret that I haven't even told Cheryl. Um, just so you know, I'm about to lose one of my testicles. Um, but this doesn't sway. Sorry, Larry's claim that he's a great secret keeper. Yeah, not true. Seems very off base. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this will come up later with Alanis Morissette. Right? In the terrorist attack episode. I don't remember. Yeah, my my, my, oh, uh, in, my in fact my current memory is not a, in fact that's great. later that's later on this season. Okay, that's ju- in fact that's in three weeks. Oh, excellent! I look forward. Yeah, I haven't seen these these. I saw I've seen like season one and season two. Like I was pretty, I knew pretty well. But anything after that, I feel like I've only seen once. Oh well, then very exciting because you're gonna get to rewatch a great show. Yeah, I'm I'm been very much exciting uh, enjoying this podcast. Yeah, I guess I guess it's good to read this podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. So. Um, She's, you know, she still says, no, my grandmother entrusted me with this secret, and I can't tell it to anyone. Larry's exasperated. You know, it's not the Manhattan Project over here. Like, you could tell me the secret for your stupid brownies. But Susie yeah. still says, no, go use a mix or something, which, to be fair, is really what he should have done with the begin- to begin with, as we pointed out. Like, yeah. you don't need these Susie's brownies. very defensive of her grandmother. Uh, you know, when, when the aforementioned uh, teenager ransacked their house, Susie was very upset about the jewelry that her grandmother had brought over from Europe. Yeah, I, I was expecting her to invoke the Holocaust again here, being like, my grandmother yeah. brought this through the Holocaust. I'm not, you know, telling it to yeah. you, Larry. Um, yeah, I was surprised that that didn't come up. She was no, she, yeah, they were known as the uh, best brownies in Auschwitz. If I recall. <laughs> the best brownies, yes. Uh, okay, so we uh, we head back home to uh, the David's house, <laughs> and Cheryl is cracking up because she's obviously just... I think my wife hates more than when I crack myself up. <laughs> um, having just heard the plan and her supposed involvement in it, and she wants to know, are you guys kidding? Larry says, what's the downside? La- Richard says, it's an act of humanity. Um, Cheryl realizes what's up, that this is just because of the Emmys, and Richard is just worried that she's not going to look good for the Emmys. And Richard admits that that's part of it, but really he also wants her to get better, and they ballpark it. Maybe it's 90% the, the looks, maybe 80%, whatever it is. He also cares about her, so you know Cheryl should really help. Um, Cheryl's- and they claim as if it's such like a materialistic like bad thing for Richard to be doing it. It's really not. Yeah, I mean, if she if if she looks the way they make it sound like she looks, and the way it seems like everyone who sees her says you're doing she a looks, kindness for her as well. Yeah, especially. although maybe I mean, if she, if she does, if it's against her religion, I guess not. I mean, this goes back to Seinfeld with the with the shrimp and the eggs. Yes, no, no. If she doesn't want to do it. I guess it's not. Yeah, yeah but I mean, they 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 view it as she's crazy. She has this nonsense thing, and we're really trying to help her out. And she won't. She'll never be the wiser anyway. So what's the downside? Um. Yeah. Cheryl says, well, you know, why don't you just go buy store-bought brownies so, you know, no one has to do any work, and you could just, like, stick the pills in. Larry is very upset about this. You know what? Do you know anything yeah, about terrible. tampering? No. You can't do yeah. that because the brownie will fall apart. <laughs> Obviously, Larry has done this before. Uh, <laughs> and explains that you have to put it in the mix 
when you make the brownie. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that makes yeah. sense. Um, yeah, Cheryl sure. just really doesn't want to be involved. They says, you know, you two just take care of it, but they insist they don't know how to bake. Um, she also thinks, you know, Deborah's going to be able to taste something if you put Benadryls into the, into the brownies. She's going to be able to taste uh, the medicine in there. Larry says, Benadryl is tasteless. I confirmed this with the pharmacist. To which Cheryl <laughs> says, oh, did you tell the pharmacist that you were planning on putting Benadryls into a brownie and then feeding it to someone? Uh, he might have uh, yeah. he might have omitted that part. And Cheryl says, yeah. this is the dumbest idea she's ever heard. Larry says, actually, it's a good idea because she, th- she will think the prayer did it. And anyway, it happened in our house and we should be the ones to fix it. And this is the, the little piece of information that finally convinces Cheryl. She wants to make good on what she uh, her role, even though she didn't really have a role, but. Her role in... Well, uh, I mean, she was told about it. Well, she didn't hear it. I guess she claimed she didn't hear it. Uh, Allegedly. So Cheryl finally agrees. I think she did, and she's just... Yeah, Yeah, that could be. So Cheryl finally agrees. Larry asks uh, Richard to step out. At this point, he confirms with Cheryl whether or not she could actually bake. (laughs) He's never seen her bake. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So uh, we head back over to Deborah's house now, and Deborah's mom opens the door. They have the brownies. She says, okay, I'll bring it to her. They're like, no, no, no. We really want to make sure we deliver this directly. So they go over. She's in bed. They offer her a brownie. They insist there's no peanuts this time. And they say, listen, we, got, we actually got the recipe for the ones that you liked from the other night. And Cheryl made them again. And she's very excited. She's very appreciative. Um, she takes a bite, a bite and immediately says, they, they don't really taste the same. Thank, you know, she thanks Cheryl for, you know, trying. But, you know, th- these are really not good. Uh, Larry gets yeah. angry that, that they're not, that she insists they're not the same. He, he says, of course, they're the same. Uh, Richard takes a bite. Now, Richard and Larry start taking bites. So are they eating brownies with Benadryl in them, too? I don't think it's the worst consequence to have a little yeah. bit of Benadryl. Yeah, I guess. You know, you could, they can make you very sleepy, though. Yeah, but I guess the question is, how bad are these brownies? Because, first of all, you know, and it's a common theme in Curb. When someone does a favor for you, if the favor isn't perfect, instead of just saying thank you and being courteous, you, like, are obnoxious back and you insult the person. Right. You know, like, for example, we had that last with the limo driver who was insulting to the food Larry brought him or, of course... Um, of course, with Larry uh, last week with and Ted Danson with the shirt. And here also, she's pretty – Deborah's pretty rude, I think. You know, someone brings her homemade brownies and she insults them. But the question is how bad are they because Larry – Deborah says they taste a little different. Larry tastes them and says they're the same. Richard tastes them and says they're awful. And Cheryl doesn't know the difference between salt and sugar. So, <laughs> Yeah, they must be very bad. And Larry is just trying to play along. But Richard can't even like hide the farce. Like he, he, He's like, all right, yeah. the, the jig is up. Like We're not going to convince her to eat more of these brownies because <laughs> they're horrible. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, I think that's, I think we could, uh, I think that's what's going on Which here. is also a reference to Friends, of course, when Rachel tries to make the uh, seven-layer dessert. Yes. Um, on Thanksgiving. Yeah, what's, I mean, what's the problem? Meat? Good. Yeah. Jam? Good. Yeah, that's Joey's perspective. Yeah. yeah. Um, Larry says, okay, you know what, maybe I'll leave some more for you here for later. But Deborah <laughs> says, no, they're horrible. Um, t- gives them back to Larry and says, you know, Richard, what time are you picking me up for the Emmys? Yeah, so you know she's she's hell bent on going uh, despite her appearance. So we uh, we headed back. I'm over. surprised her mother would let her leave the house if she's yeah. so sick that she can't get out of bed. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. Yeah, she you know I you know the Emmys are uh, going to the Emmys are a once in a lifetime opportunity. You're probably not going to be dating Richard Lewis for much longer, and then you know you're, for very long. Yeah, that's true. Your, your access to uh, <laughs> bumping shoulders with celebrities at events is probably going to come to an end soon. So yeah. we're uh, we're back over at uh, Cheryl and Larry's house, and Cheryl's with her friends, one of whom is Wanda. And they're trying to figure out how to turn on the TV so they can watch the Emmys. Uh, they're trying to read the, the instructions that Larry left on the table, but they're not working. They asked Larry to come in and help. 
Um, Larry's struggling with it as well. Um, Wanda asks, hey, Larry, what were you up to yesterday with that black guy I saw you with in the coffee shop and the situation with the tip? And she fills in on what Cheryl and what she saw, and she calls Larry a tip profiler. Yes. Um, Larry, you know, laughs this off, thinks that Wanda's being ridiculous. Well, it also it makes no sense because Larry didn't see a black guy and say, because you're black, you have a bad tip. Larry saw that there was a bad tip. Yeah, it, it doesn't make It's a ridiculous accusation. Um, she argues yeah. if it wasn't a racial thing, then why did you do it so secretly? Larry says, I didn't do it in secret. He stormed off, mm-hmm. and then I looked at the table, and I saw he only left two bucks or whatever, so I threw it another two bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So La- Wanda's like, oh, really? Why did he storm off? So Larry explains that he had to fire him. No, but hold on. But also, Wanda says, no, that's not – you tiptoed secretly out of the restaurant and then back into the table. I mean, Wanda's definitely lying. Exactly. Yeah, that's not true. Like, she, he went over to, like, kind of where the maitre d' is, which I guess is where – sometimes that's where you pay. I don't know, in a, in a coffee shop. Um, yeah, he was, like, kind of on his way out and then decided to go back. Yeah, Wanda's misrepresenting what happened. Um, yeah. So Wanda wants to know, oh, why did you fire the black man? And Larry says, I fired the black I man. fired the black man. Because he's the guy who set up the whole system here, and it doesn't work. He's here every week. I'm giving him checks. We've got five remotes. I can't turn it on, but I, but I know, you know, black man, he can never do anything wrong, and he shouldn't get fired from a job. Black people always do everything right. Um, as he uh, finishes his uh, not-super-woke rant, Wanda gets out of her seat, goes up, and fixes the TV by pushing one button, saying, oh, you know, you have to just, you have to just turn on the satellite by pushing this green button. Or you can fire the black man. Whatever works for you. <laughs> um, so the women are finally able to sit down and enjoy their show. Uh, we see Joan Rivers on the red carpet. And, of course, who walks up? It's Richard Lewis. Joan tries to pull him over, but he doesn't want to because, obviously, he doesn't want Deborah to be seen. And finally, Joan sees her face, and she recoils in horror and uh, delivers a series of insults. She says, first, I've seen better faces on a hemorrhoid. Then she says, when E.T. calls home, <laughs> did you pick up the phone? And then finally she asks, how are things in Loch Ness as our episode comes to an end? Joan Rivers is very mean. Yeah, very cruel barbs from Joan. All right, Av, uh, how did you rank this episode? Um, not very highly. Um, I didn't think this was a this was a great episode. Um, the, whole, the whole Benadryl scheme is just ridiculous. I'm going to give it... Two out of five. Two pretty, pretty good. Yeah, I'm a little higher than you. I'm two and a half. I laughed a few times. It was not a particularly great episode. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Fair enough. Who is your come with guy? I struggled a little bit with these. Um, I think my come with guy, I'm going to go with Richard just because he really is a lot of fun in this episode, even if he's like... He's not, you know, he's kind of an asshole at times, but he really drives most of the action in the episode um, and most most of the humor to the extent there is any. So I will go with Richard Lewis for my come with guy. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I think that how we've used the term come with guy has sort of evolved over this podcast. When when we started it, we were basically saying who was the pr- protagonist of the episode other than Larry. Right. And then it slowly turned into who was sort of the hero of the episode. And as you said, you know, like Richard's a shitty, he's a shitty come with guy here. He recommends a faulty cell phone. He blames Larry when it doesn't work. But, you know, he does come with Larry everywhere in the episode, which is the definition of a come with guy. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to give it to Richard as well. Yep. And uh, for Richard now, that means uh, he gets a, you know, a, a full come with guy point, half for me, half for you. And that brings him into second place, uh, just behind, uh, or third place, I guess, Jeff and Cheryl tied for first with two and a half points. Yeah, this is, no, is going to be fun to keep track of until Leon comes in and just runs the table. 
Yeah, at a certain point, Leon's going. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna come from behind, but he's going to definitely. Yeah, he's gonna run the table at a certain point. Yeah. Conversely, who is the worst person? Um, I was tempted to just go with Richard here too, um, just because of the way he blames Larry for everything that is not his fault. But I think I'm going to go with Mike, the TV repairman, who's obviously pretty incompetent in his job and immediately blames the race card whenever you know somebody tries to call him on his incompetency as a TV repairman. Yeah, a lot of candidates who have very minor roles. You went with one. I'm going to go with Joan Rivers just because yeah. those are really cruel barbs, and that's on national TV. Yeah, so, really unnecessary. I guess. You know, but, they, they could just not have. I mean, that's that's her shtick, I guess. Yeah. But also, like, this isn't a celebrity. This is some random woman who's dating Richard Lewis. Yeah, it's totally out of line. Yeah, so I'm going to give it to Joan Rivers, and uh, Joan Rivers also makes a celebrity cameo, uh, playing herself, obviously. Yes. Oh, that wasn't from the real Emmys. <laughs> All right, uh, should we go to the postman? Now? Yes, let's head over to the postman. Uh, postman! Postman, come here! Tell the neighborhood! Right. We have excellent news. We have the return of Tim Hutchinson to the mailbag. Oh, great job. Uh, he writes in, My name is Tim Hutchinson. What time are you picking me up tomorrow night for the Emmys? I must apologize for missing last week's cutoff for the postman, depending on your other mailbag, mailbag commitments. If you do choose to read out loud last week's email before this one, I'd appreciate if you could play a short heart flashback interlude to signify the passing of time. Yeah, we could probably do that. Do I have wait, do I have last week's email? I just have one email from him. Hold on. Oh, well then I guess the answer is no, we cannot do that. <laughs> Tim Hutchinson. I should probably read the emails, you know, before we get online. <laughs> yeah. I ask this because it's important to note through an immersive regime of medication, core exercises, lentil, and whale song, I really feel as if, as if I've developed as a person over the past week. So there's no guarantee the views expressed by last week in June, Tim, are shared by first week in July, Tim. Obviously, we all have our personal favorite heart flashback, but I've attached a link to mine for your consideration. All right, I guess we'll, uh, I'll have to send that to you to see if we can play that. I'm just going to send well, you... Well, but we, don't have, we yeah, don't have last week's email, yeah, though. I don't, so. I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> all right. We can, we can certainly play a harp interlude because, you know, harp is pleasant, but... To prevent a repeat of my tardy mail mishap, in addition to, by se- to sending this email, I'm also sending a copy by Carrier Pigeon. So you should be seeing my pigeon, Derek, appear on your window still, still any day now. Please offer him a bowl of water and some bird seed when he arrives, but not the cheap stuff makes him gassy. I have no idea what the hell's going on right now. My go-with person this week is Wanda. I don't agree with her that Larry was being racist, but the way she shuts him down by turning on the satellite was priceless. Not often that Larry is left speechless. That's very true. She really uh, drops, has a mic drop moment there. Yeah. Um, the worst person didn't appear until late in the episode, but for mine, it's without a doubt Joan Rivers. So he, he's with you, Alex. Who does she think she is with her public, unprovoked, and relentless, ugly shaming attack on poor old Deborah? Such behavior merely highlights the stench-laden undercurrent of looks-based prejudice that permeates every nook and cranny of Los Angeles society and perpetuates the body image issues that are plaguing the Western world. And besides, if I was a kid on Halloween and Joan Rivers answered the door, I'd feel obliged to give her candy. <laughs> now, to be honest, that is Joan Rivers' job, though, but... <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, we, we agree like that. Yeah, you know, I I don't know if she's really that. Would that be that mean to uh, pick, a non-celebrity? Pick, pick on the celebs. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. So uh, I guess we'll look out for uh, the carrier pigeon, Derek. Maybe he's going to bring last week's email at some point. But otherwise, I'm really at a loss. But we appreciate having Tim back in the mailbag. Uh, yes. We have a, uh, another email from Zach Brooks. He says, congrats on the renewal news. Larry is going to have an insane amount of material to work with after COVID and quarantine. Yeah, that sounds right. I, he, could, he could do a whole season of 
quarantine and social distancing storylines. Yeah. This uh, is all right up his alley. He asks, can either of you bake? I can cook, but I'm terrible at baking. Uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty much that. I can cook some stuff. I don't. I really hate baking because you need to follow like very precise measurements, and I'm like way too lazy to measure things and do it right. I'd rather, you know, with cooking, you could be a little bit more uh, freestyle. Yeah. I'm basically the same. Yeah. Uh, the pers- worst episode of the week goes to Wanda. The home theater repair guy had already left, and $2 isn't enough of the tip. Uh, three and a half stars for a fun episode, but nobody is ever putting Benadryl in a baked good. Yeah. All right. And our last email from... Olin. I mean, I, I'm, I'm certainly... I'm familiar with the concept of putting drugs in uh, in brownies, just not Benadryl. Yeah, so I've heard. Um, it's one way to, to ingest them. Uh, Olin Allen writes in. He says, Hey, guys. Again, I have a strong positive association still with Richard Lewis. This has been a bit of a surprising to me and waiting to see if it will turn maybe around the kidney donation season. Good fun episode. I think... Lewis struggles with about the looks of his new girlfriend is something we all just want to deal with internally. Can't fault him much for how he dealt with the situation, and he tried to arrive at the best situation. Also, I will admit, I would be a bit like Larry in the Christian scientist circle, preferring to go lady, man, lady, rather than being stuck with men. Though obviously would look to be low-key about making the change. For villain and come with guy, I can see almost everybody being fairly balanced and not clear-cut, so my pick is going to balance out. Villain of the week is Cheryl. Interesting. Making Larry fire the cable guy. I don't agree. He was he. They didn't. Their TV and cable didn't work, and not looking to stand for up for him when Wanda calls him out. Um, yeah, I guess that part is fair. Uh, the come yeah, she could say no. He didn't fire him because he's black. He fired him because I made him fire him because he's incompetent and he couldn't get our TV working after like eight tries. Yeah, but she wants to be the good guy with everyone else. Yeah, that's true. Always. Yeah, Cheryl trying to play that social game. Cheryl, uh, he puts Cheryl also as the come with gal for the interactions around Richard visiting, allowing Jeff over for dinner and being supportive of Richard and his girlfriend when he had to leave, also making the brownies. The rating, he gives a four pretties out of five. So Olin, much higher on this episode than us. Uh, He also adds in, don't forget about Joan Rivers on your celebs playing themselves list. And his extra PPS, do you think that Jeff and Larry had any argument about the word quone when playing Scrabble? Mm. To it's clone like, something. To clone something. Yeah, of course. Yes. Do you remember from The Simpsons uh, when Bart played the word quidjibo? <laughs> quidjibo, yes. Yeah. So, so, common sitcom theme. All right, next week we have club soda and salt. Uh, Larry will learn a tip of how to get stains out of, of tablecloths. Uh, the chef will quit, I think, from, uh, from the ketchup incident. And so um, Jeff and Larry have to find a new chef. And... Um, Larry will uh, become tennis partners with Cheryl and uh, will meet uh, Cheryl's uh, other partner who uh, is a dinner theater actor and has some uh, choice words for Larry in the bathroom. Okay, yeah, that sounds sounds very exciting. I'm actually, I'm looking at a recap here. This episode has a ton, actually. This is also the episode where um, Larry gets accused of stalking someone in in a household goods store. Oh, excellent. But yeah, there's there's a, there's a lot. Uh, club salt, club soda, and salt has a lot going on. So next week we will be uh, chock full for a very very fun episode. Yeah, hopefully it'll be a step up from this week. Uh, although it sounds like maybe some of our listeners were a little bit higher on the episode than we were. Yeah, we we've been higher before than we are today. Yeah, last week I was very high on the episode and Olin was very low. <laughs> and uh, we were hoping that uh, maybe we would come back in, in in sync on this one, but to no avail. Um, but yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, something flew over your head there, but that's fine. We'll just keep going forward. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, well then, uh, that was a uh, the job by you was uh, pretty, 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 pretty good.